the most important question for us to answer is, who is Jesus? And for 2,000 years, there have been people uh, coming up with all kinds of answers to that question. Uh, the Gospels, of course, are written uh, as part of Scripture to open our eyes and to, to teach us uh, to who Jesus is, to see Him, uh, to know Him. If you remember when we started the Gospel of Luke uh, about six months ago before our, at the start of our Christmas sermon series, uh, Luke, his purpose in writing was to, so that people would know who Jesus is, uh, so that they would know and believe with certainty uh, who he is. And so in Luke 1, we see these words recorded. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of things about which you've been instructed. Luke was writing the gospel under the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, so that uh, Theophilus, and then of course, the readers after would have an account, a very detailed, investigated account of who Jesus is. Uh, and so throughout this, the, the gospel so far, who Jesus is, his identity has been unraveling. His identity has been kind of opening up a little bit more and a little bit more. So initially we see him announced as the Savior of the world. Uh, and then as more of the story has unfolded, we saw him to be declared as the promised Messiah. We saw him as the one who has true authority, real authority. Now today in the text, we're going to see another revelation, another unveiling in a sense of who Jesus is. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8. I've titled today's sermon, Jesus... Lord of all creation. I'm going to read these verses, a short passage today, uh, that's reminding us of who our Savior is. Luke 8, verse 22 through 25. One day, he and his disciples got into a boat, and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped, and they were in danger. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith. They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You uh, that it reveals to us our Savior. It reveals to us who He is, it reveals to us Your plan of redemption and Your love and care for us. 
I pray that we are shaped by its truth today. Holy Spirit, work in us. Open our eyes to the truth. Lead our hearts to uh, respond in obedience to what we hear. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we're looking at this text, I want us to see there's one central truth for us to hold on to in this passage. And so we'll have some points uh, to look at in a minute, but I want us to look at the central truth of these verses here. And the central truth is this, Jesus is the Lord of creation. Jesus is the Lord of creation. So let's look at verse 25 from this passage, the last verse in this, in this small section. Verse 25 of Luke 8, He said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey Him. So Jesus asked the disciples after this miracle has taken place, Where's your faith? Why aren't you trusting in me? What are you trusting in? And so as they stand amazed, likely jaws hanging, mouths dropped open just in shock and awe at what they've just witnessed, with more than likely adrenaline still coursing through their veins and hearts pumping and racing For the fear that they've been experiencing, they ask, Who can this be? Who is this man that he controls the winds and the waves? They obey him at the at the the whisper of a word, at just a thought, at the snap of a finger, he can control creation. Who is this man? Jesus, of course, was answering that question. He was teaching them who He is in the miracle. That's why He led them out on the water, was to teach them more of who He is. There's only one who can control creation like this, and that's the Creator Only the Creator has the ability to control creation and force it to submit to His will. Only God has that kind of power. Scripture speaks of God having the power to control the seas in multiple places in the Old Testament, which may seem odd, uh, why, why the seas, but for the Jews... Uh, the uh, ancient Jews and, and other cultures too in ancient times, the, the seas were seen because they were uncontrollable at times and unpredictable at times. The seas were seen as a place of chaos. The seas were seen as a place of evil and a place of danger. And there's only one who can control the chaos and the evil and the danger in this world, and that is God. And so one of those references to God controlling 
the seas is from Psalm 107. This one's especially important for the miracle that we just read about. Uh, the, the miracle that we are examining today of Jesus speaking to the wind and the waves and calming it. Because it's a parallel to what the psalmist says back in Psalm 107. Psalm 107, starting in verse 23. Others went to the sea in ships, conducting trade on the vast water. They saw the Lord's works, His wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea. Rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the, when the waves grew quiet. Then He guided them to the harbor that they longed for. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Psalms, the imagery of that. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then He guided them to the harbor that they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. God controls creation. God's the only one who can control creation. So this passage is a parallel to what we see Jesus doing. So when Jesus stands in the boat and speaks to the wind and the waves, He's making a declaration to His disciples. And now to us, as we have the record of that account, He is the Lord of creation he is God the Son. He is God in the flesh. And it's only the Lord of creation, the Creator of all things. Only He can control creation like this. The disciples ask the question because they're still in shock. Who is this man? Who is this that He can control the wind and waves? We don't have to wonder. He is the Lord. He's the Lord of creation. And knowing that is a central truth to what we're going to look at in this passage. So as we're thinking about points from this text uh, to consider and to hold on to, we want to hold on to the central truth that Jesus is the Lord of creation. The first point I want us to see back in Luke 8 is this. Jesus always has a purpose for leading us into a storm. Jesus always has a purpose for leading us into a storm. Let's look back at verse 22. One day, He and His disciples got into a boat and He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Jesus and His disciples get into the boat He's the one that instructs them, it's time for us to cross over. We're going to go over to the other side. And the disciples do exactly what their master instructed them. 
Now, the, they're out on the Sea of Galilee, so the, the text sometimes refers to it as the, as the lake, but this is the Sea of Galilee. The geography of the region uh, leads to, still to this day, severe, severe storms, even especially during the evenings. The other gospel accounts talk about this happening, uh, the storm happening in the evening. So what would happen is there's mountains on several sides of uh, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is actually 700 feet below sea level, and winds would come through the ravines of the mountains and push downward, uh, traveling that 700 feet. And so as those cool winds travel down towards the sea and the warm water rises up where those two would meet, it would cause a severe, severe storm, a deadly storm that could come up very Quickly, However, this was not just a random weather occurrence on this day. There was a purpose in it. There was a reason that Jesus took them out on the boat that day. R. Kent Hughes in his commentary says this, That miserable storm was a divinely appointed vehicle to teach them about God and His power in their lives. It was terrifying. It was deadly. But Jesus had a purpose in it. We think sometimes coming to Jesus, we shouldn't suffer anything. Uh, we think things should be easy uh, if we're trying to trust in our God and our Savior and we can be tempted to have doubts and questions when we're in those seasons. Scripture does promise God's blessing for His children. He does promise blessing for faithfulness. However, that does not mean that hard things won't come into our lives. That does not mean that terrifying circumstances won't be experienced or crushing painful experiences won't happen. Scripture does not promise us that. But we do have the promise that when we are in those circumstances that they always have a purpose. God is using them for something in our lives. We may not know what that is, but God's at work. And so we see that promise in Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. All things, even the really crushing, heartbreaking things, God promises He is using them. They do have a purpose. In some days, there's no way we can see what it is. But we do have a promise that God's working and God is using it for good in our lives. And so we can trust Him with that. He uses those things to, to work in us, to teach us, to shape us more into the image of Jesus. Jesus always has a purpose when He leads us into a storm. The second point I want us to see back from Luke 8 is this. Jesus is not afraid of any circumstance. Jesus is not afraid of any circumstance. 
verse 23, back in Luke 8. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake, and they were being swamped and were in danger. So Jesus, after a, a long day of ministry, goes out on the boat preparing to teach his disciples a lesson. And yes, he's exhausted and he falls asleep, but he also fell asleep because there was nothing for him to be afraid of. So he falls asleep and this fierce storm picks up. Not just like a little rough waters, right? Deadly, deadly storm. It says they were being swamped. They were in danger. Their lives were on the line here. Now, I've spent countless hours throughout my life out on the water uh, in boats. Uh, there are times where it's as smooth as glass and it's mesmerizing to look out across a vast body of water and there's not even a ripple. Uh, there are times where it can be Really rough, but still manageable. But I do remember one occasion where my brother and I were out on Lake Conroe and a storm came up that we didn't know was coming. And we were on the opposite side of the lake uh, from where we launched the boat. And we realized quickly, we've got to get off this water now. And we set out and it was the most terrifying experience I've ever had on a boat. Uh, and the first wave that came over the bow of the boat. And so we were in like a, in my grandpa's old Skeeter bass boat. It was the model that looks like a, a bathtub, basically. It really does. And so we're sitting in this little 16 foot blue bathtub out on the lake. And as we set out and that first wave comes over the front and just fills our feet, you know, with water, we were terrified. And I, I didn't say it, uh, but I was thinking, there's no way we're getting off this water. And the look on my brother's face, I could tell he felt the same way. It was a terrifying experience. And what we experienced that day was likely not anything compared to the type of storm that is common that Jesus and his disciples were going through. It became deadly Quickly, And the response of fear in that situation is understandable, right? When you are facing uh, the threat of death, to be afraid of that makes absolute sense. Jesus, however, is not afraid. Jesus is resting peacefully, right? And that's something we need to hold on to, right? That even though his disciples were terrified in their circumstance, he was right there with them and he was not afraid. And isn't that tremendous comfort to know that our Savior is not afraid? He has no reason to fear any circumstance that he leads us in. Our knees may be knocking, and we may be hanging on by a thread and thinking, there's no way I'm getting through this. But our Savior is not afraid. And that should bring comfort to us to know that Jesus, because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that whatever circumstances He's leading us in, He's not afraid of what's going to happen. How can He sleep while death loomed over them, 
Because he's in control. And so that leads us to our last point today. Jesus is in control of his creation. Jesus is in control of his creation. Let's look at verse 24. They came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased and there was a calm. They cry out to Jesus. They go to him, wake him up and say, we're, we're perishing. We're going to die. Some of the gospel accounts, one of the other gospel accounts, asked the, they ask the question, do you not care? They, they're feeling like uh, he doesn't seem to care about what's happening right now. Do you not care? We are about to die. Of course he did, but he wasn't afraid. His response was different because he is in control. He demonstrates that. He stands and speaks to the wind and speaks to the waves and he controls them. They submit to him. The creation bows to their creator and does exactly what he tells them to do. There isn't one thing in all of creation that Jesus can't cause to submit to him and his will. And so he rebukes the wind and the waves and they stop. So, and the, the, the language in all the gospel accounts of this implies, and some of them are directly say, that it was an immediate ceasing of the storm. This wasn't like the storm winds started to die down eventually and the storm finally passed and he kept them through. He controlled it and stopped them immediately. It went from the deafening roar of winds and water smashing the boat, the boat smashing the, the waves as it fell down. It went from chaos to complete peace and calm. He stopped the storm Immediately, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it stops. Why? Because Jesus is in control. He always has been and always will be, and as the creator of all things, he can control all things to his will. Colossians reminds us of this, that, uh, that he is the creator of all things and that he holds things together. So Colossians 1, in that passage about Jesus, talking about the centrality and supremacy of Christ, Colossians 1, verse 16 and 17, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things. And by Him, all things hold together. Everything was created by Jesus. Everything was created through Jesus. Everything was created for Jesus is what Colossians tells us. And then it goes on to say, He holds everything together. He is in control of everything that exists. 
the Creator is in complete control. So, this passage today is demonstrating to us or is showing us what Jesus showed His disciples on that day, which is He is the Lord of all creation. So how do we respond to that? How do we respond to Jesus being the Lord of creation? There's only one way to respond, and that's to believe in Him. Just believe in Him. That's what Jesus asked the disciples about, right? In verse 25, He said to them, Where is your faith? Why don't you believe in Me? Why don't you trust Me? Why don't you trust that I know what I'm doing? We must believe in Him. That starts with, of course, trusting in Him or believing in Him for salvation. And so if you're here and you have never put your faith in Christ, if you've never believed in Him to be saved and forgiven of your sins... That's the starting point for you, is to put your faith in Him. Believe the good news that He really is the Son of God. That He really did come and live a perfectly obedient life and then died taking the punishment that you deserved. The Bible teaches if you would turn from your life of sin and believe in Jesus that you would be saved. And so if you want to know more about salvation, if you want to know more about believing in Jesus to be saved, uh, please schedule a time to talk with me uh, or one of our other ministry leaders or elders. We'd love to be able to share the good news of the gospel with you. Share more about what it means to trust in Christ, to believe or put your faith in Jesus. You, you can fill out one of the little yellow response cards on the back of the seats and just say, I'd like to know more about putting my faith in Jesus. But church, we're called to do the same thing. This passage is telling us to do the same thing. Believe in Him. Let's believe in Him. Let's trust Him. Let's keep believing in Him every day. Let's cry out to Him when we're terrified, when we don't understand what's going on, when we can't make sense of the heartache and the brokenness. Let's keep crying out to Him. And let's believe what Scripture teaches us, which is He always has a purpose for the storms that He's leading us into. He always has a purpose. Let's believe that. Let's believe that He is not afraid of any circumstance that He has us in. And let's believe that He is in complete control. We can do these things because Jesus truly is the Lord of all creation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we're reminded today of who our Savior is. I pray for those who have not trusted in Him and believed in Him for salvation that You will be working in their hearts today to believe, to receive forgiveness and salvation. And for Your church, God, I pray that You will strengthen us, that You will help us believe uh, as we face uh, hardships, as we face struggles, help us remember that Jesus always has a purpose. Help us 
remember that uh, he's not afraid and that he is in control. Help us trust that. Keep shaping us into the people you want us to be. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's stand up as we...